following audio is from West Pines Community Church. For more information about West Pines, visit us online at westpines.org. You can join us live Sunday morning at 9.45 or 11.30 a.m. in Pembroke Pines, Florida, or online at westpines.org. So I have a little bit of a sweet tooth. I like desserts, and here lately I have been trying to, you know, cut back a little bit. So for just a season, I'm giving myself, well, in theory, I'm giving myself one cheat dessert a week, okay, in theory. This was, uh, I just got back from some vacation, and this was uh, my first week, and I failed on day one, day two, and day three. And, but this is my theory, okay, one cheat dessert. Now, in, there's a hierarchy of desserts, okay? If you've only got one a week, you're not going to just waste it, okay? You're going to make sure it's right. So I have a hierarchy. Like, there's things that are automatically an option for that one dessert. Flan. I love me some flan, all kinds of flan. It could be regular flan. It could be like a personal-sized flan with a cherry on it. It could be mango flan, coconut flan. It doesn't matter. Okay, that's on the list. Um, Another thing that is going to be on the list are are various baked goods. Uh, There's a a chocolate cake at a local restaurant called Flanagan's. It's so good. Like, let me put it to you like this way. You ever had that question where what would you do with if you had a million dollars? Okay. $500,000 would be dedicated to Flanagan's chocolate cake. Okay, that's, that's like what we're talking about here, all right? There's chocolate cake, there's other things. But then there's some things that I'm definitely not going to waste my time on, okay? I just, as far as desserts go, I just really don't get it, like pound cake. It's like a sweet sponge, okay? It's like, <laughs> I just don't understand pound cake. Maybe I've just not had good pound cake. I just don't understand it. Okay, cotton candy, I feel like I'm eating a giant Q-tip, okay? I don't really understand cotton candy. I feel like I'm wearing more of it than I'm eating it, okay? Now, up until recently, I would have put snow cones on that list of desserts that I don't understand. I mean, a snow cone is like, it's like a lazy man's popsicle, okay? It's like you didn't even think ahead. You just pour some syrup on it after the fact, okay? I just didn't understand or appreciate snow cones, And then I found, I heard about this snow cone stand in Hollywood. It's called Snowballs. Has anyone ever heard of this place? Can I see a show of hands? Okay, some of you have seen the light and have been to Snowballs. Okay, this little stand, it's down Sheridan Street, just west of the Turnpike. This little stand called Snowballs, okay? Um, Someone told me about it, and I I just couldn't really appreciate it, so I went there a couple months ago, and the shaved ice... It's not just like, you know, crunched ice that comes out of your refrigerator or your ice maker. I mean, it's like someone found an untouched blanket of snow in Siberia, scooped it up, and put it in a cup for you. Okay, then the flavors that... Now, I, when I had heard of snow cones, I thought it was like, you know, you've got a red color and a blue color, okay? But these snow cones, the flavors that they have, there's like 40 flavors. There's like lemonade, there's like black cherry, okay, there... There's coconut and strawberry and pineapple and chocolate, and you can mix flavors together. There's like sour, raspberry, I mean, all kinds of flavors. You can mix them together. But the clincher, and I didn't really get this until I had it, the clincher is that for 50 cents extra, they'll pour in some sweet condensed milk. Or 
marshmallow fluff, and it just kind of sinks through the snow cone, and I was like, okay, I'm not sure if that's going to be good, and then I tried it and blacked out for a few minutes, (laughs) all right? This snow cone, okay, I went like on a Friday, and by Monday, I had been like two, two more times, okay? This place is amazing, all right? Now, snow cone would have never been, a snow cone would have never been on the dessert hierarchy list, and then I came across the perfect snow cone. That is now definitely, when I have my one dessert, that is definitely an option on the list. Now, activities in life are, are similar. We have a limited amount of time, and so we have things that if we have a limited amount of time that we enjoy doing with that time, okay? So for some of you, you love sports. If you have a little bit of time and a friend says, hey, man, we're going to go play basketball, you're in. They say, we're going to go play softball, you're in. We're going to go bowling, you're in, okay? You just, you love watching sports. Some of you, it's music. You know, you like listening to music, going to concerts, playing music. Uh, for, for some of you, you like movies. You like going to movies, watching movies, okay? But for very few of us, when it comes to activities that we naturally enjoy doing, there's, not a, there's, there's some of us, but not a lot of us would say, I love to read and study. If I get like a few spare minutes, man, I just love, I'll just pull out an encyclopedia, M. Let me just read about things that start with M, okay? There's few of us that just love to read and study. Now, here's what I want to challenge you with. That might be true. This doesn't, this series that we go through might not change that. But when you come across the perfect book, it may be worth, it is worth, pushing it higher up on the priority list. I mean, we only, here's the bottom line, we're very busy. We, we, or at least we all think we're very busy. We all feel like we have just a limited amount of time. And so when we get a little bit of time, the things that we're going to carve out time for, we're selective with that. And a lot of times if we're not, I'm just not really into reading and studying. So when it comes to something like reading our Bibles, like, yeah, I know I'm supposed to, but I just don't get into that kind of thing. That, that may be true, except when we're talking about a book that is absolutely perfect and that is speaking into our lives and can actually transform our lives. Now, this subject matter of reading your Bible or how to read your Bible, this connects with every single one of us, and many of us are in different places in our life. You may be here, and maybe you come from a Catholic background. Or maybe you say, I am Catholic. I I would consider myself uh, a Catholic or maybe you say, look, I, I was, grew up in the Catholic Church, and I would go to Mass, and I would you know, hear the, the priest read the Scripture and talk about it, and I would say the prayers, and, and I would do all those things. But reading the Bible was never really a priority to me. You say, you know, I'd be interested in knowing how, I mean, how do I actually do that on my own? Maybe you're in a place, you say, I don't know that I even consider myself religious. I'm interested in spiritual things, but I, I'm just interested in kind of exploring. I don't really know what I would consider myself. Well, here's what I would say. Then learning how to read the source text of a religion, not just hearing from someone else about a religion, but reading the source text, the Bible, of what Jesus said is a perfect place for you to be, for you to learn how to read the Bible and just read it for yourself. Maybe you're a newer Christian. Maybe you say, you know, in the last couple months, there was one Sunday at the close of the service, uh, they were talking about putting your faith in Jesus, and I I raised my hand, or I prayed quietly at at my seat, and I put my faith in Jesus. Maybe you say, I was recently baptized, and I just want to know what else do I need to do? What's next? I want to know how to open up the Bible and read it for myself. And this is a great series, what we're going to be talking about in the next three weeks. But maybe you've been Christian for a while. 
Maybe you've said, you know, I've been a Christian for a while. I know I'm supposed to read the Bible. I kind of feel guilty I don't read the Bible more, but I just, I just don't really know how to do that. Or when I open up the Bible and I read it, I'm like, man, I know I'm supposed to get more out of this. It's just nothing's getting through. Or maybe you've said, you know, I've had great seasons of reading the Bible in the past, but if I'm honest, I just really need a jump start. This is one of those subjects that no matter where we're at, this is something that could be life-changing for us as we interact with God's words as contained in the Bible. So we're going to start in a book of the Bible called James, chapter 1, verse 22. If you'd open with me or open up your Bible app to James, chapter 1, verse 22. This is a letter. A lot of the books in the New Testament are really letters from godly leaders to local churches. And this letter is written by a guy named James. And it's a very practical book, very easy to understand. And he has a great nugget of truth in here when thinking about how to read the Bible. So open up with me, James chapter 1, verse 22. Here's what he says in verse 22. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Let me read that again. He says, but be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Okay, what is he saying here? Let's look at what he's saying. First of all, he says, be doers of the word. What does he mean, the word? In this part of scripture, when he's talking about the word, we could substitute the word Bible in there for for that word. When he says the word, he's talking about the Bible. And you notice that he says, don't be just a hearer, be a doer. Let's talk about hearers for a second. Remember that this was written in the first century. First century, about probably about 10 years after Christ. So I want you to imagine the context. Most of the people that are interacting with this letter are not going to be reading it themselves because the literacy rate is much, much lower than we would expect today. Today, most of us know how to read. We expect our kids to learn how to read. But in this time of history, very few people would read. And so most of the people that are interacting with this letter, they're going to hear it. It's going to be read in a synagogue somewhere or read at a church service. They're going to read this passage, and he's going to, this is a letter. It's going to be read, and they're going to be hearers of it. So let's change that to read, because most of us are going to read this. Most of us just did read it off the screen or, or uh, in our own Bibles. We're reading it. So let's, let's say this verse differently. He says, don't just read the Bible. Do it. Don't just read the Bible. Don't just hear someone talk about it. Don't just read the Bible. Let it change your life. Let it transform you. Okay, now that, that's his point. His point is we need to be actively applying what the Bible says to our life. But that's easier said than done, right? Have you ever had uh, this experience? You're like, okay, read the Bible. All right, I've set aside some time. I'm going to read this. And you're like, okay, here. You open up in the middle and you're like, all right, all right, you're like, where am I? Okay, Leviticus 13. Okay, it says, where there is a case of leprous disease in a garment, if the disease is greenish or reddish, show it to the priest. Okay, great quiet time. Thank you very much. I'm going to get right on that. Look through my clothes a little bit. I see no leprosy on my clothes. And you're going to say, okay, I, I, don't, I didn't get anything from that. Or maybe you've opened up, you've been like reading, and the sons of Anak were Mephibosheth and Melchizedek and all this. And you're like, man, I, 
Man, reading the Bible, that's easier said than done, James. I mean, reading the Bible is hard. It's hard to understand some of the stuff in here. Well, the first step, first step in knowing how to read the Bible is understanding what the point is. The point is that we open this up and that this is supposed to change us. The point is that we're supposed to read this and see, okay, this is what needs to to happen in my life. This is what needs to be altered in my life. This is something that needs to be transformed in my life. It's to read this and leave different. He says, if we just read it, say, okay, we read it. Okay, I read my chapter for the day and put it down. Or we, just, we go to church and say, okay, I heard the sermon and I don't think another thing of it. Or I listen to a message online about, about it or on the radio and I, I really don't do anything about it and I just leave and I never change. This is what James says. He says, we're deceiving ourselves. Okay, what does he mean by that? Let's keep reading here because he explains what he means by deceiving ourselves. Verse 23 says this, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he he was like. Did you catch that? What did he just say? He said, here's what it's like. If I just read the Bible and say, okay, I'm done for the day and put it down. Or I just, I hear a message and then I don't apply it to my life. Hearing and not doing or reading and not changing. He says, that's like looking in the mirror seeing the things that need to be adjusted, but walking away and not doing any of that. Okay, I want you to imagine with me that you're a a single guy, and you're looking to find a woman that you can, a godly girl you can marry, and so, you know, you're, you're one day, unsuspecting, you go to your community group, and there, across the circle from you, is the woman. And you just like, when she walks by, you can't even say things. You just shove more chips and salsa in your mouth, okay? And, and you're like, okay, I, I've got to ask this girl out, but I don't want to mess this up. So you pull your friend aside, and you're like, okay, I need to ask this woman out. You know, I need, give me some tips. He's like, okay, man, look, just relax, okay? After group, just go up and say, hey, I, I've seen you here at community group. I'd just like to get to know you a little bit better. Would you be interested if I took you out to dinner sometime? You know, just keep it simple. And you're like, okay, I got it. All right, so next, next group, you see her across the way, feeling confident about yourself, kind of look at her. Take one last bite of the chip, and you throw it on the ground. <laughs> okay. And you kind of saunter over to her, you know. And just before you say anything, just panic comes over, and you say, I, I-, I watch you at community group, and I like to eat dinner. I love you. <laughs> okay, that didn't go so well. And she luckily agrees to go out to dinner with you, okay? So then you've got this date, and you go back to your friend, like, okay, I blew it the first time. you got to help me. He's like, okay, man, all right, it's going to be okay. Here's a couple things you need to know. Take her out to a nice place, you know? If it has cloth napkins, okay, that's a good sign, okay? It says, you know, try and dress nicely, you know? It would be good for you to look in the mirror, you know? Make sure everything's in place. Iron your clothes. You know, maybe take a shower sometime and, you know... When you get to the restaurant, you know, offer to pull out her chair, ask her interesting questions, you know, these kinds of things. You're like, okay, and you've got this checklist in your mind, and then, you, you know, you, you iron your clothes, and you take a shower, and you drive, and you, you pick her up, and you open the car door, and you sit down, and, and you're asking interesting questions, and then you order some food, and you, you order an entree, and then you order a salad so that she thinks you eat salad sometimes, and you got a salad, and then... She come, the, waiter, the waiter server comes and delivers the food, and you take a couple bites of salad, and you realize you're kind of going down the list in your mind, okay, I, I took, 
pulled the chair out for her. I, I ironed my clothes. And you're like, I never looked in the mirror. And so you say, oh, excuse me, uh, uh, excuse me for a second. You leave and you go into the restroom and you walk in. And I want you to imagine this is what happens. You look into the mirror, okay? And what you see, there's spinach from the salad in your teeth. But it's not a shred of spinach, okay? It's like a plant that could be confused for a green goatee, okay? This is what's happened. You have a spinach beard, okay? This is what's happened. Now, in any situation, could you imagine in, in, there being any situation where you look in the mirror and you see the spinach plant coming out of your mouth and you're like, man, that looks terrible. I looked in the mirror, check, and walk out the door. You would never do that. Because you, you, intrinsically you know the, your buddy's saying look in the mirror not to just check it off your list, but I'm going to the mirror with a purpose. It's not just something that I, it's not a box to check. I'm looking in the mirror to see what I need to adjust. James is saying it's absurd to look in a mirror and be like, wow, I'm a disaster, and walk away and not fix anything. You would never do that. Saying the same thing with the Bible, the point of reading the Scripture, God's Word, the Bible, the point of reading the Bible is not to check a box. It's to see the reflection of who I am. It will show me who I am and it will show me the things that I need to change in my life. And as crazy as it would be to look in the mirror and see all the things that I've got going on or just choose to ignore the things that I've got all going on and walking away, it's that absurd to just use the Bible as something that I just need to check off. And I think for, when it comes to reading the Scripture, sometimes, when it comes to reading the Scripture, sometimes what gets us in trouble is we just read it and we're like, okay, I did my reading for the day, or I successfully accomplished reading the Bible, rather than realize, okay, I am supposed to read this, and God's going to speak through this so I can be transformed. First step in understanding how to read the Bible is understanding what the goal is. The goal is not to check a box, but to be changed. Study to be changed, not to check a box. I'm reading this so that God speaks to me and shows me how he wants to change my life. The point of reading the Bible is not to collect more information about the Bible. It's not just to understand more. It doesn't really matter if I know who King Ahab is, if I've never read that story and applied it to my life. It doesn't matter if I know information. It doesn't matter if I know where Galilee is located uh, in comparison to Jerusalem. That's irrelevant piece of information unless it somehow helps me transform my life. This is why we do it here at West Pines. We do community groups the way we do it. In our community groups, we get together midweek when they're starting up in a couple weeks. We get together midweek and we don't learn brand new information. What we do is we open up the scripture we just heard taught on the weekend. We open that up, we read back through it, and then our goal is together in this context of friends to apply it, to be changed by it. We have this group of friends that we're serving each other, we're serving together, and we take time to, to go back over and say, well, here's how this challenged me and how I'm changing my life. I'm like, wow, that's interesting. That actually helps me understand it. We learn from each other on how, on how this is supposed to transform my life. The goal is not just how much knowledge I can collect. 
It, it really would be completely irrelevant to memorize Scripture if that Scripture I'm memorizing, I'm not allowing to change my life. It's like memorizing the digits of pi. It's just, it's just letters strung together. If I'm not saying the purpose is not to get more information, memorize more information, check off a list, the purpose is to be transformed. So I'll read through this, and sometimes I'll read and I'll see a command. And I'll say, okay, this is a command I need to say. Am I following this command in my life? Or, or maybe a better question, where am I not following this in my life? I come across a truth, and I say, okay, this is a truth that it's saying about God or about me or about this world. And I say, okay, do I believe that? Or where do I not believe that? Maybe it's an example. Sometimes it's a good example, a bad example. Say, okay, do I need to follow this example or avoid this example? How does that intersect with my life? The goal is for me to be transformed. It's like the Bible is like looking in a mirror. And God uses it to show me who I am as I stand before God or who I am at, in comparison to God. And it shows me who I am and it shows me what I need to adjust, what he wants to change in my life. What kind of mirror is it? Look at this. In, in, let's read this last verse here, 25. Look what he says. But the one who looks into the, what kind of law? One who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. He says in here, here's what kind of mirror we have. We have a perfect mirror. It's not one of those warped mirrors that may, makes you look like really skinny or really wide. It's not a warped mirror. It is a perfect reflection. When we read here and we realize this is reflecting me, it's showing me what I need to adjust in my life, it is a perfect reflection. What does that mean? Well, look at what it says in another letter in the New Testament. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says this, All Scripture is breathed out by God. Do you see that? All Scripture is breathed out by God, and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. What is this that we have? We call it the Word of God. Why? Because what it says is these words are breathed out of the mouth of God. God specifically had people write down truths that he was breathing out for humanity. God's truth is contained here. This is God's truth that we're reading and we're being transformed. It's perfect. Did you notice in here it says, we will be blessed in our doing? He's not just saying it's a checkbox. I'm mad at you. God's not saying, I'm mad at you if you don't read your chapter for the day or read for your few minutes or read for your five minutes or 10 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever it is. If you don't check off that box, I'm mad at you. He's saying, no, I want you to transform your life, be changed and you'll be blessed because of it. Not that it's like, oh, he read his Bible for the day. Okay, Gabriel, make sure he gets a promotion. Okay, it's not like that. It's that I read and I open this up and I read about having, not having a selfish attitude. And I ask myself, okay, is this an attitude that I need to adjust? And all of a sudden, I, I'm, I'm there, I'm kind of praying through it with God. Do I have a selfish attitude? Or, or maybe a better question, where do I have a selfish attitude? I'm assuming this was breathed out by God. I'm assuming God had an agenda for me reading this today. So I say, God, where do I have this selfish attitude? And he shows you, okay, well, man, every time your, your spouse, the, you handle your spouse like this, 
Or every time you, you push the, the kids out of the way because you're doing this. Or every time you, you, you neglect this friendship. Or every time that you do this. Or every time you choose to use your time like this. And that stems from selfishness. And you say, okay, man, I'm going to change it. I see myself in the mirror, mirror and I'm going to start, God, help me to change this. What's going to happen in all of those relationships? We'll be blessed. Marriage will be stronger. Maybe a lot of those fights that were happening were really because of that attitude. And I've been like, man, I can't take all this friction. Well, God's saying, here it is. Look at yourself in the mirror. Here's where that's coming from. Maybe I'm, I'm read an example of someone. I read someone's life, and I see all the turmoil they went through, and then I see the end of the story, and I get a whole snapshot of someone's life, maybe in, in a part of the Bible, and I, and I spend a couple chapters reading their whole life, and I see the end, I'm, and I jump into that story. I'm like, okay, man, God, you gave this story for me to be transformed. When have I felt like that character? Man, I bet they were so afraid in that moment. I bet, I bet Jonah, when he was rocking on, on that boat, I bet he was so terrified, and then they throw him in the water. He had to be even more scared. And then a, a fish swallows him. He's got to be even more scared. But look at the end of the story. And I realized, man, okay, my choppy waters in my life that are making me afraid right now, I can, I've seen the end of this story. I can dig in and say, okay, God, you don't want me to be afraid because I've seen that you come to the rescue. And you're going to rescue in your time. It may not be my timing, but it's going to be your timing. See, I'm, I read this and I see, man, I'm going to be blessed when I take this and I realize, God, you want me to be changed by this. But you know, there's one other thing in that last verse that he said that I wanted to point out to you. He said, if you persevere. That takes work. It takes time. There are times that your devotions may be in Leviticus 13, and you're like, I didn't really get anything out of that, okay? Sometimes it just takes time. It takes practice. It takes making it a habit, making it part of your life. It takes perseverance. It's not one of those things that I sit down and and I'm going to get right away. I've got to dig in and take my time and make it into a habit in our life. The goal that James is saying, he says, study to be changed, not to check a box. That's the key first step in understanding how to read the Bible that crafts differently a change and hones your method for reading it. I want to talk about a very simple method, very practical, simple method for opening up the Bible, taking some time and opening up the Bible and reading through it. It's on your insert. Would you pull out the insert that's in your bulletin? There's three simple questions. There's a place that says a questions for Bible study. Remember, the goal is working towards how I'm going to be changed. If you go ahead and pull that out, the yellow insert, and one side says questions for Bible study. So here's the challenge. The challenge would be you'd set aside time, you'd start, you'd open up a passage of scripture, and you'd read it, and hear three just easy questions to guide you through. Very simple. What does it say? What does it mean? What will I do today? This is sharpening what our focus is. The goal is to be changed. Three simple questions. What does it say? What does it mean? What will I do today? You can notice there under what does it mean, there's several questions to help you identify what from this passage you can pull out. Maybe you'll see that there's a promise that you need to claim or an attitude to change. Maybe there's an error to avoid, a truth to believe in there. Those are just helpful questions. So let's walk through this as if we just read James 1, 22 through 25 in our own private, quiet time with God, how would this work? We'd say, okay, well, what does it say? We'd say, okay, well, here's what James is saying. He's saying, I need to not just read the Bible, I need to do it. 
And he describes, he says a bunch of things. He describes the Bible like a mirror. It shows my reflection. And as absurd as it would be to look in the mirror and see what needs to be adjusted and not do it, that's as crazy as reading the Bible or hearing the Bible and never acting. And so that's what, it, that's what it's saying. What does it mean? Man, it, there's a command in there. He's commanding me, man, I need to be a doer of the word. I t- want to take action. I want to make it practical. That's, what, that's what's in there. That's what it means. It, it's something that I need to change. Okay, well, what will I do today? All right, well, what that means is I need to today set for myself some priorities and change my schedule. I need to, I'm going to make it real practical. What I need to do is I need to get up maybe 20 or 30 hours earlier. 30 hours. 20 or 30 minutes. feels like 20 or 30 hours. I need to get up 20 or 30 minutes earlier in the morning, and I need to just make sure I set aside that time to, I need to make it practical. I'm going to need coffee there, and I'm going to need to sit in this quiet place in my house or on the back porch, and I need to set this time aside so that I can read the Bible and make sure I walk away with how I'm going to be changed. That's what I'm going to do. But maybe you open up a different scripture. Maybe you open up one day, you open up to Psalm 91. And you read about how God says, I command my angels concerning you so that you won't trip all along your way. I've got angels walking around. He says, a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it won't come near you, the pestilence that stalks in the night. He says, I, I cover you like an eagle covers you with his wings. That's how I am. And you're reading that and you're like, okay, what does it say? You're saying, God, you're a protector. You care about me. You wrap your, your wings around me. Man, no matter what happens in my life, you are protecting me. You are right there. If anything bad happens in my life, it's not because you let your guard down. It's because you have a plan that you're going to turn it around for good. That's what it's saying. What does it mean? Man, there's a truth in here that, I'm not, that I need to believe. God, where am I not believing this? And all of a sudden, as I'm kind of praying it through, well, well it's this issue with my career right now. Man, I'm not sure what's going to happen, or it's this health concern, and, and I'm afraid, and I guess really what I'm not believing in my life right now is that you are here to protect me, and you care about protecting me. So what am I going to do about it today? You know what? I need to put a couple of these verses to memory so I can remind myself that, and I can let that truth calm my fears. Or maybe I'm going to write this out on a note card and put it on my dashboard, or or maybe I'm going to type it up and make it my desktop on my, on my computer. Or I need to find something active to make it stick in my brain. Maybe one day you're reading in, in 2 Samuel and you're reading about David. You know, I mean, I've heard a lot of things about David. I heard he's a great leader, famous king. Well, what happens? And so you're kind of reading through the story and you hear that one night he's walking out on his balcony. And he happens to see this woman bathing. And one thing leads to another. He ends up having an affair with this woman, and then it spirals downward farther and farther and farther. And you're like, okay, what did it say? Well, David didn't run from temptation. He allowed temptation to grip him, and it dragged him down, and it was so destructive. Well, what does it mean? So I look here, and I say, okay, well, uh, there's an error to avoid Man, I need to figure out, are there balconies on my life that I'm standing on and there's temptation? Maybe I don't need to stand on that balcony anymore. So there's errors, there's an error that I don't want to avoid. So what am I going to do? Okay, well, it's this point that's a major source of temptation or it's this person that I need to put better boundaries with or, or it's this, that I, I, this kind of uh, accountability software I need to get on my computer, my devices, or it's, or it's this, and I set up those boundaries. I do take it to something that's very practical and something that I can apply to my life. Let's say you open up the Bible and it's Leviticus 13 and you read about leprosy on a garment. Okay, what does it mean? Okay, well, God's got some crazy laws. He's got some crazy laws about how to fight off disease. 
Well, why is that important enough to put in the Bible? And so maybe, and maybe this takes me a couple days to kind of chew on it, but I kind of dig in. Okay, what is, he, what is he really saying here? He's saying, well, man, it's interesting that God has laws for his people that protects them from disease. He cares about his laws. It's not just that he cares about the religious stuff. He cares about their personal health. He cares about protecting them. And man, what does that tell me? That tells me something about God. That tells me that God's not just cares about the religious things in my life, that I've religiously dotted all my I's and crossed all my T's. No, that God cares about me. He created me. He's looking after me. He cares about my welfare. He cares about who I am. And that these commands he's placed in Scripture are there to protect me. Man, well, what does it mean? Well, there's a truth that I need to believe about God's commands and about who God is. He's not just coming up with rules to make life complicated. He's coming up with rules and he comes up with commands and he comes up with a way to live to protect me. Well, what do I need to do? Well, there's some commands in my life that I think I know better. There's some commands in my life that I think, well, I'm going to handle this relationship my way. I'm going to handle this sexuality my way. I'm going to handle this business my way. I'm going to handle this my way. I'm going to handle my finances my way. And I kind of go through thinking that it's going to be better for me. And yeah, yeah, I know God. But man, there's a powerful truth in there. I say, okay, I need to change. I see myself in the mirror. Three simple questions. What does it say? What does it mean? And what will I do today? Now, to do this, I want to help with some practical things. First of all, um, in the back of the uh, auditorium this morning, we have a couple resources, um, a couple books. The first is a type of Bible, um, and, and these are you can get them in the back. Uh, this is these are both thirty dollars um, that you can. We just you can get these on Amazon.com, but these are ones we just recommend. These are very very helpful. This is a, called an ESV Study Bible, and there's a lot of study Bibles out there, but we think this ESV Study Bible is just one of the best ones out there. It's got just great truth to help you understand some of the tough parts of the Bible. At the top, you'll see the scripture, and then on the bottom, there's some notes on almost every verse that you come across. It has an explanation at the beginning about the book, and then tons of references at the end. And this is just great as you're kind of reading through. You're like, man, I didn't understand that. And you can kind of look at the notes, and it helps you understand what it's trying to say. So this is an awesome, awesome resource. I encourage you. Uh, there's also a leather one that I think is $40 that's also back there. But those are in the back. I encourage you to check this out. Another great resource that's also in the back is this dictionary. It's called the New Bible Dictionary. And this has got, I mean, almost any term, any person, any location, any concept, almost any biblical thing you can come across, you can find more information about it in here. This is a phenomenal resource written by very, very well-respected evangelical scholars um, this is just an awesome, awesome reference that you can just kind of look up stuff if you ever get to a place that you're stuck. If you had these two references, I bet most of your questions as you're going through the Bible, you, it would help you understand and work through. Very, very readable, very, very easy to read. Those are in the back. Those are some tools for you to use. Also, uh, another tool uh, in here that I want to, it's kind of a challenge that we're going to do together as a church, is on the back, turn, turn this insert over. On the back, it says a three-week scripture reading plan. Three-week scripture reading plan. We've just kind of broken up the book of James, the book we just read out of. We broke that up. It's very, uh, very practical book. Hits all kinds of components of our life. And so what we're just going to do, the challenge is on your own time, set aside some time. Maybe it's 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Read this passage. Ask yourself those 
those questions. Maybe get something to uh, a journal to write in. Maybe you write a, in a Word document or Pages document or Evernote or maybe a Notes app on, on a device. And just kind of work through those three questions each morning as you're reading through these passages. And I was just thinking, how cool for us together in three weeks' time to devour an entire book of the Bible on our own time. And watch what happens as we say, okay, we want this book of the Bible to change us. So here's the challenge. Set aside 20 or 30 minutes in the morning or some time that works best for you. Work through those three questions. Work through these scriptures. Take one a day and kind of work through. And maybe you get an insight. We've actually set aside a hashtag, hashtag WP James. WP James is the book of James. And maybe you get an insight you want to share or just to kind of get some of the discussion going. You post it on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. Um, but a way for us as a church together to grow in this area. So if you're interested, we're going to be working through this over the next uh, three weeks on our own time, and I want to encourage you to take advantage uh, of doing that. Um, just in closing, uh, Rebecca and I, our daughter Scarlett is one years old, and uh, thank you. Um, that's why I say that, just to get that reaction every time. But um, she is uh, one years old, and she... Um, over the last couple months, whenever she sees a mirror, she gets really excited, and she looks in it, and then she moves, and it's moving back, and, you know, she's kind of, she, she's kind of interacting with, the, with her reflection in the mirror, and, you know, she, she will put her down, and she'll see the mirror, and she'll crawl to it, and then stand on it, and then start slapping it, so then we have to move her, so she didn't break the mirror, and, uh, but she loves seeing and loves looking in the mirror. I, however, find the older I get, the less I like looking in the mirror, but uh, she loves looking in the mirror. And mirrors are, even whether we like looking in the mirror or not, mirrors are important parts of our life. They're, they're an important thing that we have in our cars. Um, we have, maybe some of you have, have a mirror in your purse. We have them all around our house. We have them at work. We look in mirrors all the time. They're important. But what if I told you what James is saying is the mirror of the Scripture. It's not just important. It could save your life. It could save your soul for eternity. When we look in that mirror, what's the reflection of the Scripture? Fundamentally, here's the reflection that we see. We look in the mirror and we, we come across something in, Romans, in the book of Romans. It says, all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. What's the reflection? I see someone that doesn't deserve to be in God's presence. And then a little bit later, it shows me what that, what that reflection means. It means that not only have I fallen short of God's glory, but it says the wages of sin is death. In other words, what I'm seeing, this reflection that doesn't deserve, because of the bad things that I do, the wrong that I do, the selfish attitudes and the things that I do that break God's command, that means I don't deserve to be in God's presence. And the consequence of that, the payment of that, is an eternity away from God. What I deserve is an eternity away from God in hell. The verse doesn't stop there. It continues on. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's that there's a gift, and he provides Jesus Christ. Well, what did Jesus do to save me from that and to save me from the reflection that I see in the mirror? And it says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, that God poured out his love for us, and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, it's not saying, okay, here's, here's the reflection in your mirror. Go fix yourself, and then you can interact with God. It's saying God looks at you. He knows right where you're at. 
And he's welcoming you home right now. Saying you can come make things right with him today. Why? Because Jesus Christ, he loved you so much, he sent his son Jesus Christ who died on a cross and paid the wage of our sin. He paid the penalty that our sin deserved. And then towards the end of Romans, it says, so if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, Jesus didn't stay dead when he died on the cross. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He says, you'll be saved. When you look in that mirror, ultimately, here's what we see. We needed a rescue mission from God. We needed him to help us because we fall short and we're not going to make it to heaven. And he sent Jesus to pay the penalty for our sins so that God has no more punishment left for us. He has only love. So this morning, you can accept that. Accept that free gift of salvation that Jesus died on the cross, but he rose again from the dead so your sins can be washed away. Maybe this morning you're seeing your, that reflection in the mirror and you'd like to walk away changed. I want to give you an opportunity right now to accept what Jesus did on the cross to save you. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me? If that's where you're at, if you're saying, man, I, I want to put my faith in Jesus today to be saved from my sin, if that's what you're saying, would you just pray this right there in your seat? Just pray this to God between you and God. God, I know that I'm far from you, but I know that you're willing today to accept me right where I'm at. Thank you for sending Jesus to wash away my sins. I believe that he died and rose again for me. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at westpines.org. If you would like to speak with somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, please call at 954-432-0321 or you can email us at podcast at westpines.org.